welcome to the 306th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a faith stop across the Harpeth River from me, here in a very rainy and thundery music city, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. A storm is a brewing here in the music city. Um, and a fade stop is... Well, it's my favorite double move route because it's a it's a go and a, it's a go and a, and, a, and a break it down to the comeback. I and, use it uh, more as a read route, and that's why he's the coach. And uh, well, we couldn't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is more familiar with school mascots and logos than our friends over at the Athletic. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. Hoop season, Big Ten ACC challenge going on right now. Hawkeyes versus Georgia Tech. Who wants the score update? Probably no one. Uh, that is correct. Uh, unless you have been over to betonline.ag, because that is the number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs, including college basketball, things like the Big Ten ACC Challenge, where you could watch classic matchups like Wisconsin and Wake Forest. They've also got college football, NBA, NFL, esports, golf, you name it. It's over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right, Jen. Hey, are there, are there odds on Kyler Murray's uh, Modern Warfare game tonight? I think it depends on uh, <laughs> what uh, what clan he's in and what clan he's going against. I think you, know, you, you need to live update the odds based on a current performance in the moment. See, now you're just speaking another language. Clans and all that esports lingo. I just knew the I just know that he plays video games. Josh, I don't think I've played Call of Duty since you and I were roommates in college. I know we played we played what was that, Modern Warfare 2, the uh something like that. The good old good old days. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the good old days on a couch that really was probably had more diseases than we could count. Um but we need to move on because uh gents, it's coaching carousel season time and honestly it's kind of my favorite podcast of the year i'm not really sure why it's a bit morbid but the firings had begun during the season and hiring season is now fully upon us so we're going to go through uh you know where we stand today in the coaching carousel we'll start with like the first big hire from the weekend and that is going to be nebraska's hiring of matt rule now he's replacing Scott Frost, who went 16 and 31 at his alma mater in Lincoln. Oof. And well, he didn't live up to anyone's expectations except for Josh's because Josh said he was going to fall flat on his face. And what do you know, Josh? You were right on this one. Uh, how do you <laughs> feel about Rule here? I personally feel pretty good, but do you feel A, better about it than you did about Scott Frost? And B, you know, better about it than the other potential candidates that they could have gotten? Yeah, I feel a lot better about this hire than the Scott Frost hire. Um, you know, he has a history of turning around programs. Um, he uh, just more experience also as a head coach than that Scott Frost had. Um, I do. I give it a solid B. And uh, where I give some hesitancy is uh, when you look at his teams at both Temple and Baylor. Um, they took advantage of some down years in the conference. One of the years at Temple, three of Temple's division mates were one and seven in conference play. Um, then at Baylor, 
their magical uh, final season there where they won like 11 games. Um, a bunch of those were close one-score games. So were they a little bit lucky? Were they truly that good? Uh, it's debatable. Um, he definitely raises the floor at Nebraska. I'm not sure he gets them over the hump, and the reason is uh, we've been doing this long enough that I think we've had the Riley hire, the Frost hire, now this hire. Um, I don't know if we were back in the McCallahan days. Maybe we were, but uh, so I've pointed this out plenty of times, but uh, Nebraska is a state that has almost no in-state talent, um, much less than even Iowa does. It's just there's a lot of small schools there. There's, you know, like eight-man ball, six-man ball. There's some tiny towns with like 80 people in them. And so they just don't produce a lot of talent. And the days of Tom Osborne where he took advantage of the rules at the time, which smart on him to do this, but the rule that he took advantage of is no longer place, which was sign 280 kids. And then at the end of your camp, cut the extra ones. So if you can imagine Nick Saban, instead of signing 10 five-star kids in signing 75 star kids and then cutting them at the last moment. So Osborne did awesome stuff to get that program in a position where they were getting those recruits, but it made his life so much easier. Um, I'm also going to spare Nebraska the embarrassment of bringing up the litany of Tom Osborne not disciplining any of his players. There were tons of arrests on that team, stuff that you could do in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that you, you can't do anymore. Um, but so some of the stuff that made Nebraska Nebraska – is no longer there. So any Nebraska fan that thinks they are one magical hire away from ripping off like three national titles in five years is deluded. The fans that are expecting a return to bowl games, uh, a return to beating Iowa with regularity, uh, you know, a return to competing for, I know the Big Ten's not doing divisions anymore, but at least being in the hunt for a title game, um, I think those are realistic expectations for Matt Rule. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just got to get the program off the mat and get them to a bowl game, get them to, you know, beating some of these regular games that, you know, regular rivalries that they have, renewing some of the Big 12 rivalries if you can, non-conference-wise, and just really just kind of getting the, getting things going in the right direction. But I like that he doesn't have any ties to Nebraska, so there's there's none of that traditional stuff. He doesn't know the tradition, really. He doesn't care about the tradition, really. He's going to set his own stuff. I think Trev Alberts is going to do a good job of shielding him from the Omaha media, who apparently is a super, super pessimistic bunch. Yeah, that's what it seems <laughs> like, all the reports coming out of there. And... I just want to reiterate one thing that Josh said was that he definitely raises the floor. I mean, we heard about what was happening, or I should say not happening, when it comes to tackling at practices under Scott Frost, under Matt Rule. We're talking about but, practice. We're, yeah, we're talking about practice, though, Matt. <laughs> not, not a game. A game. Not a game. They should return to a, not just baseline competency, but I would say a baseline above averageness, for lack of a better term, that should easily keep them much higher than they were under Frost. 
No, well, Matt, you showed a picture. You shared a picture of their new strength coordinator. Holy cow! <laughs> oh my god, that guy's yoked. Yeah, they're going to be stronger for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, there's only one way to go. True. So uh, let's stay in the Big Ten West, where uh, Josh, our alma mater, uh, despite what's mm-hmm. on your head, uh, hired <laughs> what I have to say is a giant breath of fresh air for the program. There was a sting here in bringing in Luke Fickle from the outside and not retaining interim head coach Jim Leonard. That sting wears off pretty quickly, though, coach, once you look at his resume. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I should be, you know, applauding this probably even more than I did originally because I've been saying for years they need more outside blood. Well, Chris McIntosh, the AD, took a big swing and said, we're going really outside and ostracizing someone from within the quote unquote Badger family while doing so. But it's a big swing, but I think he connected coach. Yeah. I mean, I think Jim Leonard's going to be a good coach in due time. Uh, Maybe he wasn't, maybe he proved that he wasn't quite ready for this uh, Wisconsin gig, which is fine. Um, I really think they missed the chance to get Gary Anderson back in town. I don't know. I mean, that's a, and they missed him. I'd give this an F because it, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Luke Fickle, man, he, he toughness, grit. You know, I, I think he, you know, you look at his Cincinnati teams, they play with great discipline. I mean, there's a reason why they were the first G5 team to make a playoff uh, appearance, even though they got shellacked by Alabama, which that year a lot of people were getting shellacked by Alabama. So that's not a, that's not really a negative thing. But, um, you know, I, just, just the way he does things, you know, he was the interim coach at, at Ohio State when we first learned about who the heck Luke Fickle was. And I thought he did a good job there. And then they ended up hiring Urban Meyer, I think is what, what ended up happening. And um, then he moved on. I thought he was waiting on the Ohio State job to open back up because he's an Ohio guy. It didn't. They went with Ryan Day. He stayed at Cincinnati, waited his turn, was a candidate for just about every major opening in the last couple of seasons. Now finally gets to Wisconsin, and I am excited to see kind of how this culture is going to change a little bit. Things are going to get updated a little bit. A facelift. You're, you're. I know Matt. You're. I know you're probably disappointed that you're never. Gonna, you're probably never going to see the barge formation ever again. But if it wins football games, I guess you'll get over it, right? I mean, I if it wins football games. I'll get over it. I feel for my friend, Matt Bernstein, who is very good friends with Jim Leonard. And, you know, there are a lot of former Badgers that were hurt by this. But at the end of the day, it's the shot in the arm that the program needed to get out of the complacency that they have been in. Josh, as someone who roots for Iowa, how do you feel about this hire? Because when I'm grading this, when I'm grading hires within the division, I'm like, how do I feel about this as a fan of my team? Because like when I look at this at the yeah. at the Matt Rule hire, I'm like, as a Badger fan, like that scares me a lot more than a lot of the other coaches that they could have hired. Did like, you know, all, all due respect to Mickey Joseph, if he had stayed on there, I was not going to be scared of a Mickey Joseph coach team. I'm scared of a Matt Rule coach team, you know, a decent amount. So, how do you feel about Fickle at Wisconsin from an Iowa perspective? Well, I mean, first of all, I want to know who is. Uh, tapping my phone and reading my text because uh, Matt, you and I were texting back and forth when it seemed like uh, it was a done deal for Jimmy. 
And I was like, man, if I was the AD, I'd, I'd take a run at Luke Fickle. Worst case scenario, you come back to to Jimmy, and, and then seemingly out of nowhere, they get the deal done. Um, yeah, I mean, as an Iowa fan, you know, this slides Kirk and his staff even farther down in what uh, is soon to no longer be the Big Ten West once we get those LA schools in. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is bad news. He is, um, you know, you see what those Cincinnati teams, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe, uh, the way he ran that program. Um, I think the best way to do it is just their accolades. I mean, back to back for its titles, appearance, the playoffs, 32 straight home wins. Um, he's just a guy that puts you in contention to win every game. Um, and he does it with knowing pretty much everything there is to know about defense. He was a highly successful defensive coordinator for Jim Tressel um, and for Urban Meyer before he took the Cincinnati job. So, you know, Wisconsin's going to get back to hard-nosed defense, going to be very hard to score against. We saw it with Sauce Gardner and, and many other defensive backs that this is going to be a tremendous defensive secondary. Um, you know, offensively, he maybe wasn't as like exciting as you would expect, but think about what he's replacing at Wisconsin with Paul Chris offense. So it's a it's a breath of fresh air. Um, I know Cincinnati fans this year were especially kind of down on the offense. Um, but, you know, w- we saw how fun they were last year with an electric quarterback that got into the NFL. So if he gets if he gets the right quarterback in there, that offense can can function quite nicely. So I, I think this is an A higher. Um, the reason I wouldn't go to an A plus is the elephant in the room, which is by all accounts, if Ryan Day goes three in a row against Michigan, he's done. They're going to can him. They do not want John Cooper 2.0. And if Day is out, their first, second, and third call is to Luke Fickle, and they're backing up about 25 Brinks trucks. And I know Wisconsin gave him a huge contract. Wisconsin does not have Ohio State money. They do not. And so, and so what and could be an A higher. And that's why it's yeah, a and, huge swing. Yeah. Yeah, and so that, I, I mean, it, it could go from an A higher to an F higher in twelve games if if Ohio State comes yeah. calling. I would have to imagine that there is some sort of clause in there for I, it will have to come out at some point because um, he's a state employee. But if there is like an Ohio State trigger clause or something like that, uh, I'm sure there will be contract details that are pertinent to that, knowing the legal background of all parties involved. But the other thing that signaled to me is that the, uh, I'll go quickly here about the uh, sort of larger university. I was just going to say just real quick. uh, My brother's a contract lawyer. Basically uh, no contract is is binding at all. Nothing in those is, is really worth, worth the ink that they're written on. If you have a good enough representation. No shout out, shout out to Jared. Good job, Jared cook. Thank you for being uh, the uh, legal counsel here to us at Not Legal Motion. Uh, yeah, yeah. The thanks to him, though, we're a legal motion. We are. Legal. I'm gonna call my lawyer. 
<laughs> now, Josh, you were talking you were talking pre-show about uh, eating cornbread and chili. I'm like, okay, you mm-hmm. might be more southern than I think, <laughs> and not liking soccer. It it was uh, it was turkey chili from Trader Joe's. <laughs> okay, you shouldn't that, have told that me un- that. <laughs> that that undoes the southernness. <laughs> yeah now you, now you're a, now you're a prissy West Coaster. <laughs> All right, let's head down to the Plains in Auburn. No, Matt, we we cut you off. I I was going to say is that the Wisconsin administration for a long time has uh, been very uh, tight with the purse strings. And there is a new chancellor uh, who definitely is much more athletics friendly. And that is being very clear from her opening statement, saying they are breaking out the purse strings. They are going to join the rest of the Big Ten and dropping some of the academic requirements like having to have three years of a uh, foreign language in high school in order to qualify academically for Wisconsin, something that has been very difficult for a lot of recruits to get around, especially as more and more schools cut foreign language uh, classes due to public lack of public funding. We all know the dangers and issues of public schools in America. We don't need to go down that path at the moment. But it's a good time for the university in general. And it's a good time that they are willing to embrace something new and something different. Let's go to the planes who are not doing something new and di- something different. They're doing the most Auburn thing possible and bringing in freezes. Uh, congratulations, Auburn. You have just bought yourself like a couple amazing recruiting classes and a whole lot of NCAA sanctions. Uh, Josh, I mean, you just when it came out to us, I think you just texted an image and just laughed like a thousand times. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an F minus minus, right? Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, we don't even need to run through the rest of the list. This is going to be the worst hire. There are jobs not even filled, and I can tell you already, this is going to be the worst hire that remains. So, first of all, let's just focus on the field for a moment. Let's let's. I got a great nickname for him: Four Loss Freeze. Um, pretty much every year of his coaching career, other than uh, three exceptions, you could pencil in four losses. Um, just that's what he's done. That's his record. And I mean, y- you look at look at his team this year. Um, if he had any other name than Hugh Freeze, and he was not still cashing checks based on beating Alabama while at Ole Miss, would you hire a coach that? lost at Connecticut, lost to Virginia Tech, lost to New Mexico State. They beat Gardner-Webb by one point. Like, it, this Liberty team was not all that good this year. He is essentially Gus Bus 2.0. There's going to be some amazing performances where it's like, holy cow, where did this team come from? And there's going to be some hilarious losses where you're like, what the hell did they do all week in practice? So just on-field performance, he does not deserve another chance at an SEC job. Then we get to the off-the-field stuff. Um, if you look at his official record at Ole Miss, according to the NCAA, it is 10 and 25, 6 and 21. That's because in 2012, 13, 14, and 16 which is four out of his five years there, they had to vacate all of their wins. Why does he do this? Well, he's got horrible recruiting violations, 
to begin with. And then we get into the cell phone situation and calling sex workers to presumably entertain recruits. Using then we get state to, property <laughs> phones. Yes. Then we get to his most recent stuff. Is that from the in, <laughs> Then we get into his most recent stuff, as in pressuring witnesses to sexual assaults and sexual crimes committed by football players to not testify, including texting an accuser of assault as recently as this football season. He is a piece of crap human who does not warrant this job based on his record to begin with. If it had been Urban Meyer, I could even slightly tolerate it and go, hey, you know what? Most of Urban Meyer's infidelities have been cheating on his wife. Okay, that's kind of gross, but you know what? It's his marriage, his life, whatever. And holy crap, he's won a lot of football games. Hugh Freeze is a horrible human being who has not won a crap ton of football games. This is the worst hire in a long time. I We've been doing this podcast quite a while. I don't remember another hire this bad. This is a nuclear thing. This is just Auburn's blowing up their own program, and it's completely idiotic. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I mean, you, you have this guy. You have to tell a grown adult that he's not allowed to use social media. Is that really the right hire? It can't be. It can't but hey, be. you beat Nick Saban twice. I. It's it, it's also what's even more baffling to me is seeing the amount of people who are actually praising this. In the oh, it, ten, Tennessee fans are jealous. They're like, man, that's who we should have hired. No, Tennessee. You got the right. It's not. You got the right guy. Trust me. You got the right person, Tennessee. Trust me. Um, You're in very good hands there in Tennessee. Okay, we got to move on for time. Uh, Arizona State has hired the youngest coach in FBS, Kenny Dillingham, the current OC at Oregon, who's not playing in a title game this week because they got busted up by Oregon State in uh, probably the best game of the past weekend. One of us picked that game. That is correct. Uh, that person is wearing a very yellow hat right now and not a <laughs> black one. Uh, Arizona State uh, got rid of the Herminator. He went 26 and 20 uh, while being 17 and 14 in conference because. Herminator. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, NCAA violations, there's a whole lot of them coming down the line. Yep. <laughs> uh, That's why they can hire a 32 year old coordinator because it doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's in a? But he's really good. I I, I, mean, I do like this hire. Regardless, I think he's yeah. got a bright future. I think he's maybe he's too young. I don't know, but it's not even the I, aging. It's like it's your first time running a program, and you're gonna have all this extra <laughs> off field crap that you have to deal with because of the violations that are coming. Like it's hard enough to do that. Yeah, when it's your first time, when you have all these additional layers where you have probably less time. Uh, uh, interaction time between coaches and players during the offseason because of violations, less scholarships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're just giving yourself an even worse burden at this is the job that this is kind of like a, a dream-ish job for him. It's his, uh, he's an alum of Arizona State. 
giving that his first head coach job at 32, that just feels like a recipe for disaster for me. Like, like Scott Frost 2.0 in a lot of ways. Now I know he's a different person. I know he's a different coach, yeah. but I, there are a lot of pitfalls here for me. I think though, that the nice thing is he is an alma mater, you know, alum. If this, if this works out, he uh, will hopefully stay. That's Arizona state's thinking. Um, the other thing that's nice about it is they, they fired Herm. They blew up that staff. I'm sure the athletic director's about to go as well. Um, you know, they can go with to the NCAA hat in hand and be like, Hey, we're really sorry about the Herminator, but, uh, we've nuked that staff. Um, and they might be able to negotiate some of those, uh, penalties down. Um, you saw the offense that he ran this year at Oregon. It was a really fun offense. He had Bo Nix and Heisman contention. That's all you need to really say. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at the very least, Arizona state's going to be quite entertaining offensively uh, as whatever happens over the Dillian Hammett admin. I I give it a solid B actually. Okay. So so Matt, Matt, I'll speak to your like tradition. Like this is, he's an alum possible Scott Frost comparisons. At no point is Arizona State and Nebraska similar in traditions. I think Scott Frost was weighed down by the expectations of living up to his playing days and the Tom Osborne era and the way they did things during the Tom Osborne era. And Scott Frost tried to be somebody who he's not because his identity as a coach is polar opposite of what he did at Nebraska, and I think a lot of that was expectations. You don't get those same expectations at Arizona State. They really don't have much of a tradition. I mean, Jake Plummer is your tradition, probably. I mean, I'm I'm not knowledgeable on the West Coast. Maybe some of our West Coast listeners, some of our some of our Sun Devil uh, listeners, can educate me. I would love I would love to know some of the rich traditions, but I just don't think it's as much pressure as we're. St- thinking it's going to be. I mean, I know the NCAA violation stuff is tough to deal with, but, you know, it just kind of comes with the territory. You just kind of deal with a lot as a college head coach. Maybe uh, we'll see who he hires around him. His his, his compliance staff better be elite, um, and he's going to have to get creative, which he is. He's a young guy. He's an innovative, innovative young mind, so we, we, we'll see that. Uh, to, to help, uh, I'm sure Sun Devil Nation is screaming right now. Well, uh, to, to, to help paint a picture for you, Coach, uh, you remember in like the 90s and early 2000s how Georgia was always solid but could never get past Tennessee and, and they were definitely third or fourth fiddle to like Alabama and stuff? We were always eight and yeah. four. Yep. Yeah. In the Peach Bowl. Arizona, Arizona State – little bit like that. They had some incredible seasons in the the 90s and the early aughts. Um, but, uh, you know, they just kind of always got overshadowed a little bit by USC and, and Washington won a national title there in the 90s. But they had uh, yeah, an incredible they're, they're defensive end who was a sack artist, much like uh, yeah. much like yours, except his actually was dominant in the pros. T-Sizzle. His, historically, they're oh, yeah. way, they're way above. T-Sizzle. Historically, they're way above Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a nice program. Yeah, especially uh, in in their dominance in the seventies. Yep. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, right before we started recording, um, 
Brent Key had the interim tag taken off of him at Georgia Tech. I think we kind of universally yeah, like this move here. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good for them. He played there. He's an alum. He did a tremendous job as an interim. They played super hard for him. Yeah, those guys. Like watching the video of him being announced and that room erupting tells you all you need to know about the impact Brent Key has. I love it for them. It's. I, I think this Georgia Georgia Tech rivalry is going to be a bit rejuvenated now that they have an actual <laughs> coach. I love it as well. I'm actually giving it an A plus, not just because that Georgia Tech had a pulse this season when he went four and four, uh, not just because the players loved it, but uh, for those not in the know, the tech or the tech's uh, athletic department is absurdly in debt at very tight budget. Oh yeah. They, it's, it's brutal. Um, yeah. Th- they are operating in meager margins. Uh, his annual salary this year was 490,000. That'll obviously be going up as head coach, but can you imagine them paying the $11 million buyout for uh, coach Capri? And then, you know, imagine if they even did, like seventy five percent of Luke Fickle's deal. They need to call on some of these former players, some some of these boosters to to come back out of the come back out of hiding. Maybe yes. So th- this just helps give them some breathing space mm-hmm. uh, till they get their finances in order at the very least, and they'll probably be competitive uh, while while he's what, what was there. what was funny is what was funny is while I was in college and this this athletic department being absurdly in debt goes way back beyond like early 2000s I was in college I was back at home I went to the movies sit down you know I got my popcorn got my popcorn that's like you pay $16 but it's like you basically wheeling the entire like popcorn maker <laughs> to your seat with like a gallon of butter and I got the big a uh, trash can full of uh, Coke that you get for, I mean, they don't, they don't skimp you. That's for sure. So I sit down starting to watch the previews. They, they, they started playing commercials before the previews. And what was lo and behold, what is the first commercial? Buy your Georgia tech football season tickets in a Southern state. You should never have to advertise at a movie theater for your season <laughs> tickets. Yeah, that's a pretty sad state of affairs. Uh, I don't. Not even Vanderbilt does that. No, because so. they're in the South. People, people like football <laughs> down here. All right, and uh, cornbread. We have two minutes left. We have a like lot real of, chili. We have a lot to get through, gents. Uh, starting in Charlotte, Will Healy, uh, who we all thought was a pretty good hire, is kind of after a good start, his nosedive over the last two seasons. Yeah. They've hired someone named Biff, and I did not know we were still making Biffs, but apparently Biff Pogge, who is the associate head coach at Michigan, is now the head coach there. And it's interesting. He is 62, I want to say, early 60s. His first mm-hmm. bolt, it's his first NCAA. I, I, I guess it's okay. I, I've never heard of this guy. Yeah. So, I mean, he went to Duke. He He's got some he has a fascinating background guys, let, let me tell you let me tell you he has a um, very interesting I, background i will say i'm a i'm a big 10 blogger and i had never heard of this guy i don't know what he does on harbaugh's staff other like what is associate head coach i have does harbaugh no know idea. what he does this is a this is a 
incomplete question mark. Uh, wish him the best of luck. Just um, strange hire, to say the least. Okay, uh, with the 45 seconds we have left in this segment, well, as we went very well, long. No, no, no. No, Matt, we, we did all the coaches that have been replaced. Why do we need to talk about the coaches that got fired when we're just going to talk about them again once they That's replace true. their jobs? We did That's true. We did perfectly with our timing. Okay, then I was, la- then Last bit, Colorado has made confirmed to have made an <laughs> offer to Coach Prime. Yep, and Coach Prime has confirmed to have had the offer and to have turned it down. There you go. So he will not be going to Colorado. I mean, that's insulting to him. Even though I still think he's going to end up at, I think he's going to be at Jackson State for another year at least. A lot, yeah. a lot of smoke with the South Florida thing. I don't know if there's any fire. I don't know if they're cooking with gas yet. I think he. I think they're still South rubbing Florida, the sticks you, together. You ready to be a little armchair an armchair psychologist, Josh, and talk about? Yeah. Uh, I think he thinks USF is too small a job for him, and it would be a bad look for him to leave a swack job that he's been touting yeah. how he's how he's swacked for a yeah. a like relatively crap American conference job in an American conference that's about to be even more devalued. There's a lot of chatter that South Florida basically knows who their coach is. They just can't announce it due to the coach coaching this week. Mm. Well, Prime's got a game, and the people that most think got hired got the job. Uh, Chantwell down at uh, Coastal. They're hi- they're hiring Boudreaux. Yeah, is uh, is obviously coaching a game this weekend. So uh, it, it's probably not Prime. It's probably Cantwell, but uh, we'll see. Chadwell. 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 Yeah, Jamie uh, Chadwell. You know, I, I mean, Cantwell can't, can't may get Cantwell may get the may get the job. I don't know who he is or where you know he comes what, from, I, but he's going to get the job. It's going to be awesome. Him and Biff can only, uh, can be the relative unknowns. As the only one who ever gets Lance Le- Leopold's name correct, <laughs> as you, uh, as you uh, mispronounce uh, it, as you say it, Leopold, no, Leopold, Leopold. No, I'm the only one who gets it right every time. Leopold. It ain't Leopold. Leopold. Hey, man. Who's this Leopold guy? Who the heck is this guy? We got somebody from Kansas? What are we, Wizard of Oz? We're our FCS time. All right. I'm excited. I got got an FCS curveball for you guys. All right. Well, uh, then let's hit the FCS bracket. Uh, Biggest news for me. Fordham went down in a barn burner, 52-42 to New Hampshire. My God. Uh, I think there was like one or two punts in that entire game. Uh, Delaware absolutely rolled St. Francis uh, up there, I guess we will call it, in the uh, in the northwest corner of the bracket, the top left corner of the bracket. Uh, Josh, anything from either of these two games? Uh. I mean, yeah, the Fordham thing was kind of crazy. Um, Holy Cross, though, undefeated. I'm really excited to see them against New Hampshire. Yeah, that's gonna that's definitely gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, sh- should sh- be a barn burner there. The Blue Hens found some offense. They they found their groove a little bit, so that's exciting, right? Yeah, but I mean, they're about to be run over by the pain train that is South Dakota State. I mean, we don't want to, we don't, (laughs) we all, we all pick the Jackrabbits. I know. They have had some playoff disappointment in the past. Let's, let's not, you know, the rule we are, we all pick, we all pick, 
we all three go go oh, go on a team, and they they're they're it screwed. Rarely works out. Yeah, they're, they're screwed. There were just points all over the place. Uh, Gardner Webb put up a fifty burger on Eastern Kentucky, who scored forty one themselves. Um, and Weber State took down North Dakota. Um, I picked you know I, I picked them here. I picked them as the dark horse to come out of this bracket. So I'm feeling not great that they gave up thirty one to North Dakota, but you know that they put up well, thirty eight. <laughs> Well, I'm not feeling great about something else. So I I, I picked Montana State to, to win this region. Mm-hmm. I loved Montana State last year. I loved them all this year. They love to do weird stuff in the playoffs. Last year, their starting quarterback entered the portal just before the playoffs, and they still made the title game. This year, do you guys know what happened this year? <laughs> no. I missed it. Their defensive coordinator, Willie Mac Garza, has been suspended. <laughs> For the game against Weber State, their linebacker coach, uh, Bobby Daly, is going to be calling the plays in his absence. So, okay. <laughs> oh, no idea goodness. what he's been suspended about. Oh, goodness. I'm feeling better and better about my Weber State pick here, guys. <laughs> he, um, he got on Twitter and tweeted something. Uh, Richmond, had that away easy, from Richmond had far and away the easiest game of the weekend, uh, taking down Davidson. I mean, not a huge yeah, surprise really, there. Really struggled there. Well, no, David, Davidson's, you know, not scholarship. Yeah. Pioneer League, not scholarship. It's, it's never a surprise there. Richmond, yep. you know, traditionally one of the stronger programs, them against Sac State's going to be good. Um, and then Furman taking care of Elon and gets to go ahead and take on incarnate word this week. Uh, another one that should be a lot of points. Yes, I, I think Incarnate Word's going to think they're going to come out on the top end of that. But I was surprised Furman uh, had that output, um, and uh, it was good. How about uh, how about Southeastern Louisiana and Montana, the Grizz? Idaho, no, Wait, Idaho, Idaho. Some... Idaho. Southeast mm-hmm. Louisiana took on Idaho this weekend. I know. I'm saying both those teams were winners. Oh yeah, in that on that side of the bracket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The so I picked Idaho as kind of my uh oh, unseated uh potential dark horse. Did you guys see how they lost? You guys see this play? Yeah, they so scored less it's, a, it's a very Josh, it's a very Josh way to lose. It's it's basically Idaho has a chip shot field goal to tie the game, and as he is about to make contact with the ball about a centimeter away from the ball, his plant leg slips on the turf and he. Charlie Browns, he made good contact with the ball, all things considered. The kick wasn't that far from, from making it through the uprights, but unbelievable. What a, a way to lose a game. That's the beauty, the heart, the heartache, and the beauty of the mm-hmm. uh, the playoffs all at once. But uh, tough luck for Idaho. Uh, tough, le- tough luck for Southeastern Louisiana <laughs> having to play Samford. Samford's a pretty good team uh, in so you know, good good luck to Southeastern, but uh, yeah, All South, right. North Dakota State Grizz. That's going to be the fun game. All right, seeded uh, team on super, most on upset alert this yeah. weekend, Josh. Um, it, it's weird to say because we all liked them, but South Dakota State has just had a weird playoff bugaboo. I want to see them win a game. <laughs> you, they're on a, they're on upset alert. Okay, coach. 
Uh, well, considering that the defense coordinator got uh, suspended <laughs> yeah. for Montana State, I'm going to go ahead and put them on upset alert. Yeah, I mean, that was me, my one B. To me, that, that's my clear one because I picked Weber State to come out of that quadrant of the bracket. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's head then into. Hey, real quick. I had one, I had one quick FCS uh, curveball. I just wanted to Floor is tell you. Um, yeah, just real quick. Uh, shout out guy hanging up, hanging up his whistle. Uh, Rick Chamberlain. Uh, the longtime Dayton coach. He is uh, from the area, played at Dayton. When his playing career ended in the late 70s, he became an assistant coach in 1980. He was an assistant coach at Dayton for 27 years. And then from 08 until now, he's been their head coach. He's got an awesome record, 104 and 48, 78 and 31 in conference, uh, won three Pioneer League titles not an easy job those pioneer teams do not give scholarships uh wonderful career coach chamberlain and enjoy your well-deserved retirement i guess paging john gruden (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a little bit of a touchy subject these days i think that is a little bit of a touchy subject these days. All right, gents, it's time for us to head into our spread formations uh, for the week, where we're going to they could pull an Auburn. Take a look at all of the <laughs> and we're, we're going to take a look at all of the games uh, for this <laughs> coming weekend. Um, we are going to start uh, in the MAC title game in Detroit. Toledo is a two and a half point favorite against Ohio. Josh, you are up first this week. Uh, it's over under 55 here, which is kind of a big for a Met game. Uh, what do you like? I think the uh, the over under is uh, partly because it's in a dome stadium and, and they like that. Um, yeah, this game comes with a little bit of an asterisk next to it because um, – there's several quarterbacks out <laughs> this week uh, due to late injuries, and Ohio's one of those teams. Their, their quarterback, Curtis Rourke, got hurt r- late in their season finale, and that greatly impacts them. I would take Ohio quite easily. I think Ohio's the better team. The quarterback issue gives me a little bit of pause. However, Toledo also coming in kind of cold losers in their last two games. I am going to take the points because I have Ohio winning. I'm going to keep the faith. They have an awesome winning streak going. I think they figure out a way to win even without their starting quarterback. Hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah. Two top offenses coming in. Uh, You you said the weird, Thing about the quarterbacks there. Um, Rockets are number one in the MAC, allowing just 337 yards and 4.8 yards per play. Um, Ohio is last in the MAC, so something's got to give no matter who's playing quarterback. So I'm going to take Toledo. I'm going to take it in a game where the offenses are fairly even and with the quarterback situations are probably more even than, than we know. So I'm going to take Toledo. All right. Well, uh, we have three different ones. I'm just taking the under here because of the uncertainty at quarterback. I can imagine them trying to, you know, speed the game up, get it, you know, just get it over with and 
you know, you know, fin- keep it low scoring and kind of slog it out and play field position. So um, I'm going to go ahead and take the under here on this one. Uh, we'll head to the to the Sun Belt. Well, Coastal Carolina is at Troy, and Troy's an eight and a half point favorite at home with an over under of 48 and a half in what I guess could potentially be Jamie Chadwell's farewell game. Could be. And for this game, we have another quarterback issue. Uh, Grayson McCall was three weeks ago banged up. They announced he was out for the rest of the regular season. Um, As of a day ago, reports are his status is unclear. So um, what exactly are we getting with Coastal and their quarterback? They looked awful. In their finale without him, they got absolutely blown out by James Madison. Their coach might have one foot out the door. I don't like that. Troy has not lost since their third game of the season, and they have a really stingy defense. Eighth in the country, points against just 16.8 scored against them. They have... A quarterback with a quarterback's name, Gunner Watson. How can you not root for someone named Gunner? I'm going to take Troy to cover this pretty big spread. This kills me because Coastal was my preseason Sunbelt pick. They're in the title game, but even if they do have Grayson McCall, he's banged up, so you don't know what you're going to get. The Jamie Chadwell thing is a real thing. I don't know why he'd leave Coastal for, for South Florida. I think Coastal might be a better job. Um but you look at Troy, Gunnar Watson, a name you can root for. They're 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 <laughs> on a nine-game winning streak coming off back-to-back double-digit wins. They've beaten their previous two opponents by a combined 10 points. Momentum is in their favor. Um, defense is eighth in the country in points against. Uh, they're going to pass Arkansas State for most Sunbelt championships in the history of the conference. If they win this one, uh, it'll be their seventh Sunbelt title. So it sounds, be like, it sounds like you're on Troy, Coach, is what you're telling I'm, me. I am on the Troy bandwagon. Give me the Trojans to win easily. All right. I am taking the under here in this one again because I guess I hate fun. Uh, Pac-12, Friday night, Utah against USC in Viva Las Vegas. Uh, the over-under is 67. SC is a three-point favorite here, Josh. So you know, this is a strange, strange game because Vegas has the spread that we see. USC favorite, slight favorites, only three-point favorites. The... ESPN football predictor thing, the matchup predictor. You guys seen this recently? Uh, No, I have not. It's given Utah a 61.2% chance of winning. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Obviously, the Vegas line is designed to make money for the casinos, not necessarily what Vegas accurately thinks. It's, It's meant to generate bets. So I'm not entirely sure what's going on. But I do know there's one team that plays with a chip on their shoulder. They're not afraid to hit. They're not afraid to get physical with their running game. They are 
with a coach that has a proven, proven track record of Kyle Whittingham. And honestly, USC, I still am worried. I'm like, what exactly is their defense? Uh, as recently as two weeks ago, they gave up 45 points to a really good UCLA team. They gave up 35 to Cal. I, I'm just nervous about this USC defense with all that spotlight, everything on the line in the game. Give me the points because I'm taking Utah to pull off an insane upset. Classic Pac-12 after dark. The playoff hopes dashed because of this crazy conference. Do you guys? Do you really want to see Alabama <laughs> in the playoff? Because if Utah Playoffs, wins, that's what, you, that's what you're going to get. Now nah, we're going to get a we're going to get Ohio State back in, baby. No, nah, they're going to put Alabama in. That's what that it's going to happen. So USC is, is Clemson go, officially go out. <laughs> yeah, they're officially out. Um, three three so, loss LSU. Yes. No, they'll they'll put uh they'll put I've lost Iowa. Yeah. No, it'll be Penn State. <laughs> there you go. They gotta get that Big Ten. Um, so I think the country wants USC to win this just to keep two SEC teams out because they will put in Bama. They will figure out a way to get Bama in this thing because Bama is a brand name. So I'm gonna pick USC. Caleb Williams is absolutely on fire. Um, I think this one's not gonna be as close as people are thinking it's going to be. USC's on a freaking mission. I'm not touching the over-under, but I do like USC minus three. Uh, I like USC minus three as well here. I think that Caleb Williams seals the deal. He is a warlock on the field. He just like can somehow disappear, reemerge, and drop a 40-yarder on a dime. It's a, a skill that is unique. Okay, let's go to what I think might be the saddest of all the championship games, the ACC, <laughs> where both teams are coming oh. off of, let's face it, really bad losses. Uh, UNC lost to NC State. Clemson lost to South Carolina last week. Uh, Clemson, seven and a half point favorite in Charlotte. The over-under is 63 and a half here, Josh. Well, I've noticed a little trend here. Um 63 points. Let's see. When's the last time? Clemson Is it points or game? DJ Ungulale passing yards? <laughs> the, the last time Clemson had a game in the 60s, you have to go all the way back to the Florida State game. North Carolina, they're, they're a high-scoring offense. Surely they've had a bunch of games in the 60s. Well, Josh, Josh, God. Josh, Josh, last <laughs> South, South, they played South Carolina. It was a 61 total last week, 31 30. Sorry, I meant I meant to clear the 63. Sorry. Oh, okay. You said uh, in the you said yeah. in the 60s. It was like they just yeah, played a game uh, in their yeah. 60s. I know. Yeah, I, let's, I let's get that clear. I shorthanded it. I should have been more clear. No, to, to clear the 63, you have to go all the way back to the Florida State game. Uh, to clear the 63 for North Carolina, you have to go back three weeks to the Wake Forest game. But Wake Forest has a crazy offense, so that one makes a little bit more sense. You have to go all the way back to Pitt for it to happen again. Their last two games have been really kind of low scoring by North Carolina standards, so I am very intrigued by the under. Who's going to win? Zero clue. Does Clemson cover? Zero clue, but I love the under. 
coach. Because we have zero clue, <laughs> I'd be more inclined to take the underdog here because UNC has the better quarterback in Drake May. Clemson has the better defense, which I know I said defense mattered uh, when both offenses are uh, similar, but these offenses aren't created equal. DJ Ungulale is coming off a very stellar eight for 29 and like some backbreaking interceptions um, in, in last week's game. Uh, so I like the Tar Heels plus seven and a half here. Uh, this line has gone down. I think last night uh, Israel and I picked it and it was at. Uh, no, it was it was always seven and a half. I don't know where I'm getting the ten and a half from, but it was. That would be a pretty big jump overnight. That would be uh, someone coming in, throwing some big bucks on it. I'm with Josh here. I'm on the under as well. Let's move to the Big Ten, where Michigan is the sixteen and a half point favorite against Purdue. I mean, it, it, they could do an All Star team of Big Ten West players, and they'd still be at least a two touchdown dog against Michigan or Ohio State. Games in Indianapolis over under fifty one and a half. Josh. Well, we we unfortunately get to another quarterback situation. Um, this one's very sad. Not that the injuries weren't sad, but this one uh, is bigger than football. Aiden O'Connell's brother, if you hadn't heard, uh, passed away. He has not been with the team. He hasn't been practicing. He's been with his family, which, um, yeah, good good for you. We all grieve in different ways. I can't imagine losing my brother. So. Um, I, I do not begrudge Aiden O'Connell stepping away from football. At the end of the day, it is just a game. Uh, but what does that mean for Purdue? God only knows. Um, I think, though, Michigan, even if everything had gone according to plan with Purdue and, and Aiden was there and practicing and he never lost his brother, I, I, even with the best-case scenario this week of practice, um, still probably wouldn't be enough. Michigan is the real deal. Uh, Purdue's a nice team, but Purdue, you know, lost to Iowa. They get they got blown out by Iowa. I mean, they they are a very very flawed team. I'm I'm taking Michigan to cover. I mean, they lost to Wisconsin, coach. Yeah, they did. They did indeed. I am definitely taking Michigan to cover this one. Just a just the absolute beatdown they put on Ohio State in the shoe, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> well, it turns out it this was happened. very possible. Uh, SEC game, uh, full preview. Head on over to Coach on Believe in Dogs for all the real, real in-depth stuff that you want to get. It's available now. It's a doozy of an episode. Uh, It is taking place in Satan's butthole. I mean, the the dome in Atlanta. Um, The (laughs) over-under is 51, and Georgia is a 17.5-point favorite. It's a big old line there, Josh. It is a big old line. And, uh, you know, Georgia is, uh, I don't want to say they're limping in, but, you know, Georgia Tech scored early on them, kind of moved the ball on them at times. Kentucky only lost 16 to six. I've got no doubt that Georgia wins. I just, I, I don't see this turning into the blowout that you would need for a 18 point win um you're getting that half point you know this thing could end up 34 17 and you you still win the bet so i'm gonna take the points it's just the more logical selection yeah i mean as much as i want to take georgia um my heart says georgia my head says take the points because georgia and double digit points 
uh, are uh, allergic to each other lately. So I think the logical thing would, would be to take the points, but every time I decide to take the points, Georgia goes ahead and says, you know what, we're just going to blow this team out. And when I don't, they, they're like, you know what? We're going to have a six-point win so in a coach, windy coach, Lexington. Do what you need to do. Join me on the under. Because I think I think LSU's coming in dinged up and sloppy. I think Georgia's been playing sloppy. I think it's just going to be... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the under yeah, here. So, so join me on the... Come to me on the dark side on the unders. And the Georgia money line. I'm going to take Georgia money line here. I mean, Georgia money line is like going to... Is like what? Like minus like 3,000 or something like that? The Georgia money line is like... A, <laughs> it's is minus 200,000. <laughs> you bet... You bet. You bet a you bet a dollar and you lose two thousand two hundred thousand. Um. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, me and coach are on the under here. Uh, the Big Twelve is taking place in Jerry World. Uh, K State TCU TCU two and a half sure. point favorite as we uh, as as we go over time here. Uh, so as we finish this out quickly, uh, Josh, I'll just I'm gonna throw in mine out first here. I love TCU. I love TCU in the spot, but I also love even more the over. Lots of points indoor Big Twelve defenses. It just it, two teams that we both we know can score. Josh, to me, it feels like a, a a big one here. Well, I know the team that wears purple is probably going to win this one. So, uh, bet on the purple team. Oh wait, that that didn't help. I'm sorry. So, yeah these these teams played each other. Um, it was Will Howard's first start. He looked really good. Two twenty five. In that game, um, he's just gotten better and better. You know, he was was really good against Kansas. The the thing about that game, way back when, is K State was up twenty eight seventeen at halftime and blew it, held scoreless in the second half. I don't see that happening. K State, all the pressure is on the other side of the field. I got mayhem, baby. I'm taking K-State. I'm kind of thinking with my heart on this one because I always root for K-State. And uh, in a similar situation back in 1998, they had their hopes ruined. Um, so maybe some poetic justice. I will say, though, I, I want TCU with the playoffs, and I want them to win it all. It just kind of sucks that they, uh, they have to play such a good K-State team in their t- title game. But uh, I got another upset. I, I want mayhem. coach. I want TCU to keep winning because I want their social media team to keep coming up with better and better <laughs> uh-huh. and better videos. Yeah, I do too. Time. I and I think they will. I think they're hungry. I think they uh, they finally I think are starting to get some things together. Uh, K State is is not an easy team to beat uh, with Deuce Vaughn, uh, so that one's going to be a little tricky. But I do think ultimately TCU will win this one. Um, and uh, make it to the playoff. Playoff. So you have them covering that two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. All right. Yep. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on. I, th- this is my like weekly daily double T- TCU and the over in this one. I love daily double. <laughs> they, right. and Josh. Josh is betting on commercials here. He's betting on mayhem. Okay. Don't um, let your cut rate. Don't let your cut rate insurance leave you in a bind. <laughs> uh, UCF at Tulane is the American Conference Championship. Uh, Tulane is at home, three and a half point favorites in Nolens over under fifty six and a half versus Gus Bus and. The fighting Golden Knights. Yeah, Tulane gets uh, gets their coach back because uh, Willie Fritz is not leaving. Uh, here's the thing: I don't I don't trust the Gust boss. They've had some real clunkers just recently. They lost to Navy seventeen fourteen 
Earlier in the season, they lost 34-13. Do I expect Gus Bus to win two games in New Orleans this season? No, I don't I don't trust Gus to do that. So with it only being three and a half points, I'll take the favorite. Give me Tulane. Coach. Yeah, I think Tulane, you know, I think earlier in the season when they got ran out of ran out of town by uh the Gus bus. Um, they lost by seven. <laughs> that they were that was that was supposed to be like their playoff moment, but they did any Gus bus win. Is uh, is them running out? So don't don't ruin don't ruin my example. Um, so I, I think it's a revenge game for them. Uh, beating a team twice is always a difficult thing to do. So um, give me the green wave. Uh oh, you know what you know what's about to happen. We're about to all be on the green oh, wave. Boy. Oh God. Oh Gus boy. Oh boy. We're too. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I will say I'm going pure. I'm voting. I'm going here purely with my heart and not with my head at all. Uh, just all Tulane all day. Mountain West, Fresno State at Boise State. Boise three-point favorites on the Smurf turf. Over-under only 54 here for some defensive-minded teams. Josh. Well, you talk about a tale of two seasons. Um, Boise State started the year 2-2. Two and two. They lost at UTEP bad. They lost by 17 to fall to 2-2. Two and two. Um Blew up their staff, fired their offensive coordinator, their quarterback, entered the transfer portal. He's gone. What have they done since seven and one? Their one loss out of conference. They ran the table in the Mountain West, including beating this Fresno team 40 to 20 in the middle of the season. Let's stay on that loss. Fresno State, that loss, 40 to 20 loss, dropped them to one. And four on the season. Since then, they have one out. Uh, Jake Hayner is healthy again. That's why they struggled so much in the early season. Um, Fresno just took a good Wyoming team to the woodshed, 30 to nothing. They've had a bunch of blowouts. They are hot and playing well. And Boise is also hot and playing well. This is one of the best games all weekend so who is going to actually win the game i'm going to take the home team as hot as fresno is you're up in boise it's going to be the environment the the fans the smurf turf all of it i got boise covering because they win an epic 24 17 I believe Coach is muted while he is trying to talk right now. So what I'm going to say—he was stunned by my analysis. I know. I, mean, I was. It, it, I was, was speechless. Beautiful. I'm taking Fresno State yeah, yeah. on the uh, on the upset here. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't expect expect 15 minutes on the Mountain West title game. No. Um, <laughs> and Jake Hayner's the reason I'm taking Fresno because he didn't play in that first game against, um, mm-hmm. or he was un- he was at least injured. He was not 100 percent in that first game against Boise. He's back. I like Fresno, I, I like Fresno here, and because I think they're unbeatable right now. Let's go. Finally, I, I think if it was a neutral, I think if it was a neutral site, I'd honestly take um, Fresno. Hey, you just, know what? Uh, I mean, it's uh, that 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 home field is going to mean something, especially in a game like this. Finishing up Conference USA, uh, what I think is going to end up being the most lopsided game of the weekend. 
UTSA at home. The Roadrunners beep beep. Beep beep. Uh, they followed up uh, a an outstanding 2021 with a very quietly very 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 good 2022. North Texas is, I mean, they're in the game, but it's it, it, it's been not the, not the prettiest season um, up there. And I just I I love UTSA in this spot, so I'm gonna just jump the line here, Josh. I'm going UTSA big. So yeah, UTSA yeah. minus eight and a half, minus ten sure. and a half, like. Give me Roadrunners like up to Ooh. at least two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Matt, there too. And I'm gonna take the under because I don't think North Texas is gonna score a whole lot. And I don't think UTSA is gonna score 68 points by themselves. Ooh. Flipping Not the, so the script fast, on you, my friends. Not so fast, my friends. Uh, I love UTSA. I've got them ranked in my poll. I've got them winning this game. However, that spread. Little too high for me. Eight and a half. I I think this is going to be a much closer game. If, they if already you're scared. Then say you scared. <laughs> they already played once this season. Uh, it was a 31-27 final. Uh, Texas San Antonio needed 21 fourth quarter points to win the game. And North Texas, they have a gentleman who knows how to. Throw the ball a little bit in Austin anew. Can I interest you, gents? I was in 115 passing yards, 31 touchdowns to just 11 interceptions. He is a pretty effective quarterback, to say the least. Give me the points, but I do have Meep Meep still winning. All right. Josh likes it in a close one. Uh, we took it. On a bit of a long one tonight, well, over an hour. Did. That's okay. But that's okay. It's Coaching Carousel. It's, it's one okay. of our favorite shows. We had a lot, we had a lot, to, we had a lot to do. Yeah. But yep. uh, we will we be back uh, later uh, <clears throat> next week after all of the conference championships wrap up. They announce the college football playoff participants and mm-hmm. all the bulls. We'll have, uh, we'll, we'll finish up our regular season effectively there. We'll now have some bowl yep. previews. Lots and lots and lots of fun stuff to come here over the next few weeks. Buffalo trying to get bowl eligible remake uh, rematch game against or a makeup game against Akron and uh, a weird one. New Mexico State five and six asked for a waiver from the NCAA because their San Jose State game got canceled. They are weirdly playing Valparaiso to get to six and six, but then they would need a waiver for beating two Ooh. FCS teams. Kind of a mess, but Get them to a bowl, NCAA. Come on, Jerry Kill in a bowl game. Let's do it. Yeah, they absolutely deserve it. Uh, After the season they've had, they've been wonderful. Uh, They helped usher out the Freezes era at Liberty uh, in in very, very beautiful manner. So, Who's uh, Liberty hiring? Art Bryles? Oh, God. Kendall Bryles? Oh, God. I don't don't even want to go there, but the answer is probably yes. Both of them. Jerry Falwell just going to coach the team? Uh, no, Probably. He, he, he thinks he's, he's Jerry, just gonna coach the He team. thinks he's Jerry. Jerry Fall thinks he's Jerry Jones. He's gonna be like the GM of the. He's gonna be like director of like scouting operations or something like that. So, all right. Well, that's where we need to finish up here on Illegal Motion, part of the Mike Farrell Sports Network and Believe Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Not ag. Yes, BetOnline.ag. Not BetOnline.ig. You can be there on IG though at BetOnline. I don't even know how we got there, but I'm Matt Perkins in Nashville, Tennessee. 
He's Corey Burton, also Nashville, Tennessee. He's Josh Cook up in there in Chicago, Illinois. And we will say so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Chris Murray, let's go. Basketball. For three. It's a sport with an orange ball, Coach. You wouldn't know about it. You still have cream. What's that? <laughs> you put it in a beach basket. Beach <laughs> basket. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.